today's guest is Jim Leonard. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am I am uh, uh, 50 years working in the Marine Corps. Uh, retired in 2018 as an instructor in a high school JROTC program, Marine Corps JROTC program. Spent 32 years in the reserves and active duty, 30 years active duty. And traveled around the world and had three wonderful children, a lovely, a lovely bride that I've been married to for 52 years. And we moved to Victoria with the intent to visit uh, with our grandchildren that are living in South Houston and New Braunfels. Because they're all old enough now, they're active in school and sports and things like that, so we could participate in that. Because family is very important to us, and uh, you can't really have a family unless you get around one another regularly. So that's why we're here. And First Baptist, uh, we joined last, uh, Victoria, I mean, First Baptist Victoria, we joined last year in July, uh, right after uh, Pastor Ben uh, joined us, joined the church. Uh, so that's how we that's how we got here. So we've only been here about 14 months. Okay. And again, I'm uh, B.J. Branson, the intern and I guess podcast guy. So again, we're just reflecting on the uh, sermon on Sunday. I think it was a uh, definitely a good part two, considering the part one that we had last week. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I mean, it's continuation. Pastor Ben, the the preacher's going uh, more than an inch deep in ter- terms of the subject, and, yes. and uh, I, I enjoy that uh, much more than uh, really topical uh, sermons. Uh, they have their place, but book studies, uh, verse by verse, is, uh, I think, the way you really learn uh, what the prophets, in this case, were trying to tell us yeah. or say to us. And I like that he seems to view it the same way I do, that the Bible is more of a tapestry where one thread may be connected somewhere else, but you need both distant connections to make the full picture. Exactly. Um, which is a whole other topic that we'll have to get into on a, uh, on a special episode of the podcast because um, I-, I could go all day on the hidden threads throughout the Bible and throughout history for that matter. Well, you really can't read... The Old Testament without reading the New Testament and vice versa, uh, because the thread of uh, Jesus, anyway, runs through both of them. I mean, there are like, like 300 prophecies about the Messiah yeah. uh, in the Old Testament. And, of course, Jesus fulfilled all of those, uh, and it was written about in the New Testament. So it's really one book as it's combined, but it's telling, it's telling one story as far as God and Jesus and the covenant they had and what Jesus' mission was. It's not 66 disjointed books, but it is 66 different books. Books. Right. Because that's one thing that a lot of people mistake is that the Bible is one book written by one person. While that's, you know, true in the sense that it's all scripture and it's all God breathed, he used the different writers because you can tell when Paul wrote something or when Moses wrote something just based on the writing style because God uses us. Well, I like Pat Boone's example that he gives about himself, really. is It's one story. i got to read it through. Uh, and what he decided to do 42 years ago, probably 43 years ago now, is read it every year through. Mm-hmm. So he's done that the last 42, 43 consecutive years. So he's got a pretty good grasp of the story. And, and that's how you get it. Is repetition is one of the keys to learning. It really is. 
uh, one pastor that I sat under for a little while was, uh, he would constantly say, context is king. I, I love reading the Bible in the context mm-hmm. of the Bible. So as always, you know, I have a list of questions here. Humans rebel against God because of our fallen nature. But as Christians, we're born again and made into new creatures. So why do we still rebel occasionally? Well, you know, first of all, rebel it means to me sin. So we miss the mark, and our nature, our human nature, our fleshly nature, as Paul calls it, is still with us even after uh, we come to uh, saving grace, through the saving grace of Christ, to believe in him and become part of his kingdom. And Pastor, in his, in his series on 1 John, uh, really enlightened me a lot uh, when we went through that, uh, because Christ gave himself up for us, you know, in, in, as a perpetuation. He had to pay for the wrath of God to be able to redeem us. Right. Uh, so those are the two, that's the two parts of that, that word. Uh, so God has uh, given us a way to become part of his kingdom. Well, when you become part of the kingdom, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says you're changed, you're different, you're new, the old has passed away. Why do I still, like Paul says in Romans 7, why do I still sin? Why do I still have that, that thought or action or attitude of, uh, against the law uh, against, and sin? The best example I, I read somewhere was uh, it's like a fish. Fish out of water. What's it do? Jumps around till it gets back in the water. Our nature is not to sin. Our nature is not that. We're like the fish jumping around, and so until we come back into a into the nature that we're we're comfortable with, and the devil used that with Eve in the garden in Genesis. So you're going to sin. But when John says when you sin, how do you how do you reconcile that with the fact that Christ is as a believer is forgiven you past, present, and future? So when I sin, and then once I confess that sin, even as a believer, I'm forgiven, and we move on. The relationship is clean again, and I have a good relationship till I sin again. I'm going to I'm going to sin. And one John one four I think is the verse. He says you restore the joy of the relationship by confessing the sin. And so you're renewed, and the restoration has taken place, so the relationship is very positive. Uh, and, and as you mature, you, I think we sin less because we recognize what causes the sin. And so we try to, sh- I do, I try to shut it off before the temptation even comes. But you're accountable for that sin. Uh, and so you have to uh, confess it first. He's just and right, righteous to forgive us. Uh, and he restores that joy and the peace of the relationship with us. So that's... That's how we get back into relationship when we sin as a, as a believer. But a believer, a Christian, use that word the way it's designed to use, you go back to 2 Corinthians 5.17. You change. And if you haven't changed, are you really, have you really accepted Christ? So your nature is changing. It's just it's still there, a sinful nature. And you, then you have to deal with the world, and you also have Satan and his little fellows uh, that you deal with as well. So got three enemies you can't see this but I have a coin uh, in the military we had we had unit coins and I have this coin I'm going to show it to BJ but it's got the full armor of God on it and it shows us a Roman soldier with his, his shield his helmet his sword uh, his, his leather sandals and the things that protect him uh, the thing about that is though if you look at the Roman soldier there's nothing that protects his back Everything is in the front. And there I go dropping it. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
So uh, I carry this around primarily for my children because when I, I I pop my corn out on if you if you pop it out in a bar or grill, they got you got to buy the next round of drinks. Mine are Dr. Peppers, so if they don't have their coin, and it helps remember this full armor of God's what I have as far as offense and defense against sin. One thing about your coin is I noticed that it's missing the uh, the last part of the armor, which is prayer. Yeah, uh, you can't you can't get away from talking to God. Uh, and 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 as a Sunday school this past week, part of the lesson was when you talk to God, you really ought to spend more time listening to God through the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer when we don't even know we need to pray, or what to pray for. But God will talk to us through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, He really will. So what do we really deserve uh, when we rebel? Well, you really deserve, as an unbeliever, as we all were at one time, uh, that are listening to this probably, uh, is, is the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is death. I mean, it's physical death, but we're really talking spiritual death here. Right. And the wrath of God produces, if you don't have that relationship and that salvation through Christ, he tells us, and Christ taught this more than he taught on heaven even, that hell is, is where you're bound to. And so you're, you don't deserve anything. I don't care how good you think you are. You can't be good enough to be accepted by God. And so that's why Jesus came to begin with. That was the covenant that him and God made in terms of him ultimately being the sacrifice to pay for that salvation. Yeah. We need to uh, also focus on when we're trying to reach people is we're not being bigoted or non-tolerant or we're you know we're not being exclusive when we say if you aren't a believer you're going to go to hell. That's because you know a lot of people focus on John three sixteen for you know for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then you go into John three seventeen. For God did not send his son to judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him. You know, a lot of people just stop at those two verses. But, you know, verse 18, so definitely still in context that we were talking about earlier. You know, he who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already. That he has, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So what we're saying is, it's not that you've done bad, we're better than you because we're forgiven. It's, no, we're, we're a fish out of water like you. Follow me to the pool of living water. So it's not a, we're better than you, we're Christians, so we're better than you. It's, I'm a beggar, follow me to the food. Yeah, I, see, the responsibility as a, as a believer, as a Christian, we have to the unbeliever is laid out in Matthew 28 in, in the Great Commission. So I'm responsible to share the gospel with you. I have nothing to do with your salvation, your saving. That's all Holy Spirit uh, guiding, uh, working in your life to do that. But you can't, as, as Paul says, I think, it, or Jesus said it, uh, is uh, for those that have ears to hear and eyes to see, that's what, that's what I'm ultimately responsible for is sharing. And what you look at and see in me as far as my example as a believer and what I say to you uh, as a believer. And so I don't judge, I don't, I shouldn't judge you where you are. That's between you and God. It's sort of like the rich man and, uh, and Lazarus. 
You know, the rich man was uh, very wealthy, lived very well on here on earth in his physical, uh, the physical realm. Spiritually, he was dead, though. And he goes to hell. I mean, he's, as you already said, he's judged. And I had nothing to, Lazarus had nothing to do with that. Right. Uh, and so Lazarus, uh, in, in his circumstance, just the opposite, very poor, uh, un, unhealthy uh, uh, and uh, here on earth, but now he's in heaven. Uh, he's with the Lord, and he's, you know, he's perfect, in essence. And so the rich man wants, let, it, let Lazarus give me a drink so he can quench that fiery tongue because he's burning, he's burning in hell. And, and Jesus says, or God says, he can't cross the chasm or the, the what is it, the abyss uh, to get, get to you, even if I wanted, to, wanted him to. So he also says, let me go back and tell my brothers what's in store for them so they can change and, and be part of the kingdom of God. And he says, the prophets have told them. I have told them through the prophets what makes you think they're going to believe you and, and change. It's the Holy Spirit that changes people, God in the form of the Holy Spirit. So I, I, uh, I'm not trying to come across as judgmental. I just know that the wrath of God is for those that don't accept him, accept Jesus as their salvation, as that way to him. He's the truth, the life, and the way uh, to God are bound for, they're going to have to accept the fact that they're going to wind up in a a place they don't want to be eternally from a spiritual perspective. Yeah. And I I think it's always funny when when a uh, Christian gets that self-righteous, I'm better than you, Mm -hmm. because if you are really reading your Bible and if you're really walking with the Lord, you're going to understand, you know, that you're no different, you know. And this is mostly for the listeners, too, you know, if we aren't saying, you know, you're a sinner in need of salvation or you're going to hell, we're not saying that because we're judging you, or most of us aren't. I mean, there, yeah. I'm sure there are some. Um, I'm sure I've met a few. But, mm-hmm. no, what we're saying is, please get out of the burning building. You're destined for death. It's not even we can save you. You know, we can't do anything. But we can point you to God who can save Thank you. Him. You know, we really deserve nothing. We don't deserve to be saved because that's justice. The whole book of Romans is about, almost about that. Romans 3.23 yeah. says, what, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God? And, and when you become a Christian, you still have to struggle with that sin. Uh, but God has given you a way to uh, maintain or, or at least restore your righteousness with him. So and ultimately the glorification or glory that he receives through that, that relationship, as well as you, your glorification. Yeah, I really like how, how Ray Comfort, uh, how he walks right. people through the law, you know. He approaches people, and they agree for an interview and everything, and then he, you know, he walks them through the law, but he allows them to walk themselves through the law. And, you know, it starts out, you know, are you a thief? Have you ever stolen anything, regardless of value? If you steal a paperclip from work, you're still a thief. Have you ever committed adultery? If you look at another person with lust, you've committed adultery. You know, have you ever lied? You know, these are what God's standards are. You know, if God is the one who gets to judge, then he's the one who gets to set the standard. And if his standard is complete and total holiness, you know, we're going to fall short, and we're going to get what we deserve. Judy and I have had the opportunity to go to the Billy Graham Museum in Charlotte. And, of course, it's about his life, his and Ruth's life, and 
and the team that he had in terms of the the, the uh, campaigns and crusades that he participated in through uh, through his career from late 40s to recently. In in that in that museum is a video of Billy Graham being interviewed by Woody Allen. Now I think most of the audience would know who Woody Allen is, but he did interviews on his shows and stuff like that. And he, and he asked Billy Graham, what, what do you believe about divorce? And, and what I enjoy about Billy Graham is it's not what Billy Graham believes, it's what God says. And that's the way, he, and that's the Bible, of course. He's, ta- he's referring to that. Every question that Woody Allen asked him, Billy referred him to the Scripture. And it wasn't Billy Graham's opinion, it was God's law or God's opinion. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's why it's so important that we know God's law and know what God's opinion is. Because he asked him about divorce and really referred him to what God said about divorce. He hates it, but he allows it in certain circumstances. Uh, so the law, is, the law is there to guide us in terms of sin. It's there only to help us. It's what Paul used the term tutor, tutor us in what sin is. The word and the law is, is important to us from God's perspective. That's what he expects us to know. Yeah. One of the things that both sermons, you know, is that God chose Israel, God chose Jacob, not Esau, for reasons God only knows. We can look back on history and say, okay, this is probably right, this is probably why. So why does God seemingly choose some people and not others? And I think the big thing for people worrying, what's the point of evangelism if you're trying to evangelize someone who's not chosen, or what if I'm not chosen? You know, on this side of eternity, we don't know who's chosen, we don't know who's not. So we need to believe that we are all chosen, and we need to believe that we are all, uh, that everybody else is chosen. That way we actually reach those that are lost because, you know, oh, you're not chosen, that gets us back into that self-righteous attitude. And a friend of my dad's, uh, they went to seminary and Bible college together. Really great guy. Uh, He said, when you get to the gates of heaven, Uh, the picture he says anyway, you know, when you get to the gates of heaven, he imagines on the outside it's going to say, whosoever may, or whosoever will may come. And then when you get inside and you look back at the gate, the inside of the gate says, chosen from the foundations of the earth. So it's one one of those things that we don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. we may like to play God and say we know everything, but we don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't, you know. I'm not. I'm not gonna say. Oh yeah, no, sure. I'm definitely. Uh, I'm definitely going to decide everybody. Mm-hmm. So he's given us a free will. I'm not necessarily a free will proponent in the sense of that's all there is. But we do have a choice in the matter as well. Motivation is a key to accomplishment of most any mission. Uh, are you motivated to do it? And what motivates you to do it? And so if it's hearing a word from somebody like you or me or a preacher, a theologian, whatever, or reading a, bo- reading a book with your eyes, same sort of thing, do you choose to believe that or are you not going to believe it? Mm-hmm. And so God then allows uh, things to happen. Uh, he allows them to happen. Sometimes he makes them happen. I often refer to Jeremiah 29 God has the plan. He knows what he wants you to do. You know, in New Testament in Ephesians 2.10, he tells us, I, you know, I've saved you for good works. I got good things I want you to do, good mm-hmm. deeds I want you to do in the, my kingdom for others. So that's the servanthood aspect that, that grows out of that. 
as well. I read stories about hymns, okay, mm -hmm. how they were developed or whoever wrote them and why. And Fanny Crosby wrote a lot of hymns. She did, a yeah. A lot of hymns. But when she was a young, and she started at a very young age doing that. When she was in college, uh, she was writing hymns, and people were very uh, gracious in terms of praising her for what she had done, the words she had chosen. And she got, she literally in her history of her, or biography of her, she got very prideful about uh, that. And she had an instructor who took her aside and said, Fanny, you have to recognize that pride is probably, in God's eyes, if not number one, one of the top sins that you can commit. And, and as far as your humility in terms of what he, he has given you, and look back and, and where did you get the inspiration for those, those songs. And so she made it a point after that to always remember that who really wrote the song. Uh, she may have come up with the words because she was inspired by the Holy Spirit to do mm -hmm. that, but God, God was the, the, the author. And so we have to, we really have to deal with humility, obedience and humility. Those are my two key words for myself in terms of uh, my relationship with God. I got it. When he tells me to do something, even though I may not want to do it, if it's in his word, then I, I have to do it and it'd be obedient. Uh, and, and the humility aspect of it is every blessing that, that I have received comes from him. Any wisdom that I have comes from him. Any knowledge that I have, I have to believe that he has provided me with the faculties for that. Uh, so, and it's all a it's all a blessing. Yeah, one of my uh, favorite quotes from Paul Washer is that God calls you to do something. He gives you the desire to do it. He equips you to do it. He does it, and then he rewards you. Yeah. It's like, and that's salvation in a nutshell. You know, he calls you, he saves you. He woos you. Yes, you have that choice, but when you get down to it, choosing or believing really isn't so much of an action as it is just a status change. It is by grace you have been saved and uh, not sure. by works. Or otherwise, anyone can boast. We're going back to that self-righteous thing, which is not what I intended this, today's episode to be about, but it fits so well in just our human nature in that going back to the first question about rebellion, in our human nature, we get this idea that choosing is a work. So we get this, you know, since self-righteous, I chose to follow uh, God. When a lot of people, myself included, I believe, if you're convicted to follow God and you believe that you should follow God, not following God means you don't really believe it. Yeah. Well, conviction is a, is a key word. A commitment uh, yeah. recognizes the same thing. God is, God is as a, as a believer, God is my Lord. Uh, who sits on the throne of my heart? Uh, my heart is a spiritual aspect of, of my relationship with him uh, through my heart. And God has given all of us, I think, a hole in our heart that we try to fill with something that will make us happy and joyful. Whether that's drugs or alcohol or Jesus Christ, something has to fill that hole. When we choose, that's what you're asking God to come into your life, into your heart, and, and change you and give you an opportunity to be happy. Now, the point is, is that I'm joyful, I'm at peace because of that hole being filled by Jesus. And so that causes me to change. When I was, when I was a young man in, in the early in the Marine Corps, I drank, and I, I drank a lot. But when I came to the Lord uh, in 1980, that, that whole, that happiness that I thought drinking would give me 
uh, went away and, and, and cold turkey, I quit. I swore a lot. He used profanity. I quit because he changed all that. And I was a different person at home than I was on act, when I was at work on, on duty. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be. You should be the same wherever you are. And, and so that was part of that, again, Second Corinthians 5.17. The old passed away. I was able to do away with that. And the new, the new stood up, and, and I was a different person. Uh, and it wasn't perfect, but I was different. Uh, and, and my walk was different. My, my beliefs were different. When I truly believe in something, that, and particularly if it needs action on my part, then there has to come conviction to get me up out of the chair and go do whatever it is that needs to be done. So you're right about, you're about the choice. God has already made the choice. And he's given all of us the opportunity. There are a lot of people who sit in a, in a lot of church pews who really haven't made, haven't experienced that change. You know, it's like Paul says, your body is now the temple. You're, and he, he, this is an exclamation. I like this. He says, what? You don't know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are now the temple? Jesus was, when he said he raises the temple up in three days, he was talking about him, mm-hmm. his body. And so we have that same opportunity to have that shell, so to speak, as far as the temple with the Holy Spirit inside. There's got to be some action on our part, I think, when you, when, when you come to the Lord. You're going to be a different person, and he's going to require you to do things. They may be little things at first. I don't want to leave this conversation without saying there's always consequences for sin, mm-hmm. whether you're a believer or a non-believer. There's consequences for sin. As a believer, you may commit adultery, and there's consequences for it. You may lose your family. Relationships will be broken. Human relationships will be broken. And your relationship with God, if you're a believer, is broken until you confess it, and uh, he's righteous and just to forgive you for it. We always have to remember God doesn't do away with consequences of sin. It's still there. And that's how we reconcile justice and mercy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, in the world is the Christians believe that we should have prisons, you know, since we're supposed to turn the other cheek, do we believe in the death penalty? You know, that's varied from believer to believer, but the thing is, just because we believe in mercy, we also believe in justice. You know, that's a big thing about Christianity is justice is getting what you deserve, mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you do not deserve. And well, what this all, all boils down to is what I think Pastor Ben was talking about with Malachi Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, that God loves us. He loves us beyond our ability to even uh, understand. Uh, he was willing to give his son, and his son was willing to take on the mission that he was given by the Father in terms of uh, paying for that sin that allows us to cross from or breach that barrier uh, that separates us from, from God. And so we have to recognize that I didn't choose to love God. He chose to love me first, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and he loves me so much that things happen to allow me to have the opportunity, anyway, to make the decision to, to love him back. And, and that's an ongoing effort on my part, and, and I think to some extent on his, but he's, he's all-powerful, omniscient, you know, and uh, things I don't really even understand and can grasp. But... I do know that I am worthwhile because he is the one who allowed me to be born, and he looks at that. And whether he chose Jacob over Esau or any other choice that was made in terms of Israel over the Edomites, 
uh, you know, kind of thing. Uh, that's his business, so to speak. He made those decisions without uh, my input, and I wouldn't know what to give him anyway if he'd asked. <laughs> right. I wouldn't want to be in God's shoes. You know, it's like that's the whole premise of Bruce Almighty was that Bruce got all the power of God. And it's like it was a great movie to show why us humans shouldn't have that mm -hmm. kind of power. Another thing, God wasn't surprised when Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He wasn't surprised. And so that's probably one reason he accounted for Jacob to be the promise, the one that he chose, mm. because Jacob wasn't the kind of person to sell his birthright for soup. But on the other I hand, am. something yeah, we I need to remember <laughs> is <laughs> Jacob, Jacob was. was the kind of person to trick his brother out of his birthright <laughs> yeah. for a bowl of soup. So, I mean, you know. Well, God says his ways are not our ways, and, right. and so understanding him is is a very, obviously very difficult, but for me, some things you just have to accept on faith uh, in terms of the power that he has, uh, the ability, the knowledge that he has. And I mean, when he spoke, things were created just by the word being spoken, which came from nothing, and he spoke the words, and there were birds, and there were animals and there was the earth and there was all the things that the genesis tells us that were created in those six days to include man right i can't fathom that uh i won't until i get to heaven and i see i see more or understand more yeah. but that's what faith is about too as far as hebrews 11 all those people in hebrews 11 are examples of faith and it started with abraham before there was ever a law he didn't even know what sin was right. he didn't have anything to guide him they expected Messiah to come, but they were looking for the Messiah, uh, whereas we are better off because we've seen the Messiah or have had the Messiah, and we see it through the Bible, uh, and we know he's coming again. Like I said, Ben did a great job Sunday re-emphasizing that, yes. and he went into the book of Ezekiel and, and used that as, as an example. But uh, God just loves us so much that he's done things for us. He'll continue to do things for us that we may, we know we don't deserve, uh, but because of Christ, we do. Uh, he gives them to us, I mean. God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And regardless of what your views on salvation are, if you believe in predestination that you don't have a choice, if you believe in free choice where it's only down to your choice or some combination or middle ground, those called according to his purpose are born-again Christians, no matter how you look at the doctrine of salvation. You're right. And so if you love him and you're a Christian, God will work all things together for your good. That does not mean God works all things together for the way you like it. Yeah. No. And I, yeah. sometimes God's biggest curses are giving you what you want. Sometimes his bless best blessings mm -hmm. are giving you what you want. You said you had a couple of points? Well, one I've already made is mm -hmm. the love love that God has for us and what it being emphasized for that. You're a masterpiece. Each of us are a masterpiece that's created by God. We're created for good works. And so there's there's a purpose for us to in our existence mm -hmm. to please God. He's given us certain gifts, talents, the willingness to serve. And, of course, that doesn't even consider the fact that he's the one true God and we look at him and worship him. But the point is... Ben brought that across, I think. Uh, every created being, every born being, human being I'm talking about, is loved by God. And so we should see that as, what do you want to say, self-worth. And, and so that was, that was the key thing. The other thing was, 
I, I'm, I'm a, obviously a big proponent of the Word of God. And so I asked my Sunday school class, and I used myself as an example, how much TV do you watch each day? Hours. Uh, a number of hours. And, and I, didn't, I didn't get a response from anybody. I didn't want a response from anybody, really, but I gave mine. I still watch too much TV, and I like two to three hours a day kind of thing, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, but most of the time in that range, average. And, and that's three hours. I had this friend in Granbury, a church member, who retired, was an older gentleman. You ask him how he was doing, and he said, well, I started studying my Bible at 8, and I quit at 4, or I quit at 5, or I quit at 3. And that's what he did during the day when he didn't have other activities, but that's what he did. And, and I'm not there yet, but I, that's my goal. And so you need a goal, I think, in terms of how much effort you put into, uh, and I'm not talking about number of hours, it's, it's quality also, how much effort you put into learning God's Word and what He has, because out of that comes what He has in store for you. Uh, and the Holy Spirit, if you listen, will give you the guidance you need some, and some, either people, the church, uh, the Word of God itself, uh, or the circumstances you find yourself in. Uh, you have to be careful with people and circumstances in terms of their relationship uh, with God. Right. But the point is, that's where we get God uses uh, and talks to us uh, via the Holy Spirit to, through those people as well, or those uh, four different groups. That's what I believe, and I'm sticking to it. And, and it's amazing who, who all God can use to bring you to him, too, you know. Um, I was going through a really rough spot in life, and my, uh, my friend's little sister, you know, just pointed me back to God, pointed me back to God, pointed me back to God. And then, like, three months later, was saying that she looked into the abyss and Beelzebub gave her a new name. It's like, wow. wow. That's a big change. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a good change. Either. No, it really isn't. You know, you know, we're still praying for her, but it just blew my mind that the reason that I'm as strong of a Christian as I am today is because of, you know, is because of what she said. I was like, wow, wow. I don't know if that's still her position or yeah, not. But that was... You know, well, we, we go we point. go back to the full armor of God in terms of all those different five different I think it's five or six different parts of the armor armor of a ar uh, Roman soldier, mm -hmm. uh, and and then of course you, the sword of the spirit uh, uh, Hebrews what four twelve or something two edged sword. Yeah. Uh, so you swing it either way, you're going to cut somebody. And the idea is to protect yourself against the slings and arrows of of Satan. But as you mentioned, prayer is is sort of what holds all that together. We've got to do that as well. And, and, and I, ha I, you know, I hate to say this, but study of the Word, praying, it all takes time. It does. And it, and it, and it takes effort. And I know it's hard for people who are, uh, have ch small children who are working or have children at all in terms of the participation of things. We're in a society particularly that more activity the better kind of thing, which I'm not so sure I agree with anymore. And you got to weigh all that. And as you get older, uh, and uh, like I am, I'm retired, people ask me what I do, and, and they don't seem to understand that I'll spend three or four hours in the Word every morning. I have a problem sleeping, so that helps. I, I'm up at three in the morning, and I'm 
till seven or eight, I'm, I'm in God's Word and praying. You don't do that when you're younger. I found it, I, I had to get up early anyway when I was younger and my kids were still at home and growing up and we were involved in the things that they did and we limited that as, as well in terms of number of things that they could participate at any given time. And, but it was harder. It was harder because then I had to go to work and that sort of thing. So, I mean, I understand stages of life. That's why God talks about children, young adults, or young men and women, mm-hmm. and more mature, I'll use that phrase, who have a more mature relationship as they've grown in that relationship. Old people, middle people, young people, and children, uh, the three groups. Pastor Ben was talking about this last week, uh, is, you know, when you're just starting out, you know, you don't have to do the three hours, you know, yeah. just do... That's Five right. minutes, do whatever, you know, because... 2959. That's, that was my prayer guide uh, and, and study guide. 2959 was 29 minutes and 59 seconds. 30 minutes I could do. And so I had to, I mean, I used that because it was helpful. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we've got two analogies that we can use. The first, you know, is when you're working out, you know, you don't start out doing 100 perfect Marine Corps <laughs> push-ups. <laughs> Um, you're lucky to get one, but there by the end of boot camp, you know, you can do however many that, uh, the drill instructors tell you, right? Well, I'll give you a personal example. I went to the, uh, OCS first time I went to, uh, I went two increments. Uh, first increment, I could do five pull-ups. Well, back, this is 1968. Back then you had to be able to do six pull-ups, dead hang pull-ups. Uh, and they were hands, palms away. Uh, kind of changed that <laughs> later on. But point was, uh, I couldn't do six. And so I had this drill instructor who told me I would be able to do 20 by the end of that six-week period. And uh, and he was right. But, but he made me do pull-ups every day before I ever got an opportunity to hit the rack in different forms and fashion. But at the end of that period, I, I was doing 20 pull-ups. And so... You're right. I mean, it takes it takes effort, and then depending on the timeline you're working off of, but he only had six weeks to make it happen, and, and he did it. And another thing, you know, and we see this analogy in the Bible, you know, when you're a child, you know, when you're a baby, you need milk. When you get older, you start needing more and more yeah. until you're eating, you know, I'm completely paraphrasing here, until you're eating steak. Right. Yeah. That's something that we need to remember for ourselves, and we need to remember that those that we're encouraging is... When you're first starting out in the Word, if you're not reading every day, you need milk, not steak. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you can be a 75-year-old man and come to the Lord, mm-hmm. and you're a child and, and spiritually. Yeah, even uh, if you and, spent all those yeah. 70 years in church, yeah. you know. Yeah, and you can be a child that comes to the Lord, and by the time you're 15 or 20 years old, you be more mature spiritually than a lot of adults. So it's an individual thing. It's a motivational thing we come back to. But I see, I think that goes back to the hole in your heart. God has given me, anyway, a stronger motivation as I've grown in my relationship with him to know more about the Word and know more about him through the Word, well, his character. You know, the more time you spend with people, the more you become like them. So, yeah. of course, the more time you spend with God, the more yeah. time you become like yeah. God. Well, let me close myself out by thanking you and allowing me to, to join you uh, in this podcast. and. I look forward to seeing it because I really haven't, other than the ones you've recommended to me, I haven't watched any podcasts to yeah. speak of. Well, uh, thanks for ha- uh, thanks for coming in, and thanks for 
being such a large part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I'm hoping to get out of these uh, reflection episodes, Mm -hmm. is to reflect on where Sunday Sermon takes us. I like to say that the journey is the destination. It really is. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope to uh, catch you guys again next week.